Life can be a maze. That's the reason I have the picture of the maze. Uh, this is a shout out right now to, uh, to those of you uh, who are, you're, you're not here, you're, you're listening live, but there, Timothy has done a great job and you have a lot of people who are, are thanking you all the time. They, they thank me and I say, no, 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 you've got to thank Timothy because Timothy has put this uh, on, on sermon.net, all of the sermons that you hear, Doug Parks, uh, Derek Perdue, all the, all the sermons that you, uh, Sammy Durrett, all the sermons that you've heard from this pulpit in the last couple of years are, are on the web. And you can download, download them to your MP3 or your iTunes. We have people in factories that are listening to us. We have people, uh, again, shout outs to people who are, uh, are driving down the road uh, in New Mexico or, or someplace like that. They're listening to us as well. So uh, just keep that in mind. These, these sermons are, are going out. Uh, Eddie Crom's son, James, listened to us in Japan uh, when he was stationed over there. So this is going all over the world, really. And uh, so uh, we appreciate that. And, and uh, you, you who are in the factory right now listening to this, uh, uh, this, is a, this is a difficult subject that we're about to breach. Uh, life can, can be a maze, especially in today's society, especially with society's immorality. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his first letter, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. When he wrote to the Corinthians in his first letter and he chastised them, chastised them for their immorality, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 14, he says, I, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. And I hope when you hear the things that I say today, You'll not think that I'm mad. You'll not think that I'm mad at you. You'll not think that I'm mad at a certain type of person. But that I'm concerned. And like Paul, well, I want to warn you. I want to warn you. Although politics surrounds the topic of homosexuality today, do not even begin to think that this sermon is political. This sermon was set last December. And if what I have to say today does not match up with your politics or your political party, I warn you to take another look in the mirror at your morals because the topic of homosexuality is a moral topic. No matter what the world or the ruler of this world says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul describes how immorality in the church at Corinth defiles the church. He had written a previous epistle, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, which we do not have, but we know what it said. It said, do not keep company with sexually immoral people. Then Paul explains this command further in verse 10. He didn't mean sexually immoral people of this world. To do that, you'd have to go out of the world. 
He says, but don't keep company with those who claim to be a brother and are living an immoral life. There were even those who took their brother to court at Corinth to, to be judged by the immoral. Paul says, why don't you just be wronged instead? Rather than take your brother to court, why don't you just be wronged? That would be better than taking a brother or sister to court. You're wrong and you cheat your own brethren. And Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who are the unrighteous? Are you? Are, are any of you the unrighteous? How do you know? How do I know? How do I know whether I'm, I'm the unrighteous or not? Where does God draw the, the line and says, okay, here's the righteous and here are the unrighteous? Paul lists 10, and I'm reading from the, the New King James Version. Paul lists 10 sins that will keep you out of heaven. They'll keep you out of heaven for sure if you practice these sins and do not repent of them. You will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will not go to heaven. You have been deceived if you practice these sins and do not repent of them. Am I judging? No. I'm warning. I'm not judging. I'm warning. I'm, am I being political? No. Carrie's shaking his head back there. No. Keep shaking your head. That's all right. You spur me on. No, I'm, I'm, I'm warning. If you practice any of these sins, you will not go to heaven. Period. Are you reading what they are? Are you looking up there reading what they are? Are you looking at yourself in any of these? Do, do any of these describe you? We must think clearly. And we must speak clearly. Church, we need to be informed and we cannot do this by burying our heads in the sand. Two of the sins mentioned in this list of ten sins that are at the forefront of the news today because our president and vice president have decided to publicly announce their morality are homosexuality and sodomy. The May 2006 Gospel Advocate ran an August 1977 article by Brother Leslie G. Thomas. Brother Thomas said, remember this is 1977 that I'm reading here, okay? Something is said in the news media practically every day regarding homosexuality. Sound familiar? Books are being written about people who engage in that practice and churches are discussing the issue. But it appears that relatively few people turn to the scripture for guidance in such questions. Does that sound familiar?
amen I say. Tonight we leave the politics and the opinions behind us. And we look at the scripture and see what it has to say on the subject. Find out what God's word says. And then if you reject what is said today, it won't be my opinion or my politics that you reject. It will be God's word that you reject. Homosexuality, what it's not, what it is, what the Bible says, and what can we do about it? Those are the questions I'd like to answer tonight. First of all, homosexuality is not a disease that you'd catch like AIDS. But it is a cancer on our country. And those who practice homosexuality are sin sick. In my my understanding is that they may contract certain diseases like AIDS. Homosexuality is not natural. It's not a natural occurrence. In Romans chapter 1 verse 6, if you'll turn there, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I'm sorry. God's power to save mankind is the gospel, but some have rejected the truth. It says that God can be clearly seen. Man is without excuse, verse 20 of Romans chapter 1. Those who reject God, it says, they they run to the dark. They think they're wise, it says, but... They're really just cheap idolaters. These, it says, God gave up to uncleanliness. Who in the world would God give up on? The unclean morally, verse 24. Those who, with lust in their hearts, dishonor their bodies. Am I describing you at all? No, don't think it can affect us here. Paul was writing to the Romans. Paul was writing to the Corinthians. Fountainhead. Come on now, take a look at yourself. Are you saying to yourself, he's talking about me? He's stepping on my toes. These are those who, it says, who exchange the truth for a lie. There are some who would rather believe a lie or continue in a lie than than obey the truth or know the truth when it's laying right there in front of them. For this reason, God gave them up to what? It says, vile passions. What is about to be described is not good. Here in Romans chapter 1. God gave up on these people. Even women went against nature. What's natural? Keep your finger here in Romans. Turn over to Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. That's a good place to start. The beginning is a good place to start. Start at the beginning before all the confusion. Before the maze got drawn by, by the world. 
A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We all understand what one flesh means, don't we? Man and woman. Better, husband and wife. That's natural. That's natural. That's, That's what God set forth as natural. God wanted this from the beginning. God is not the author of confusion, so what happened? Those who wanted to live a vile lifestyle, back in Romans chapter 1, those who wanted to live a vile lifestyle were given up to their vile passions. And and what were they? Well, Romans chapter 1 verse 27, men left the natural use of the woman. Some men then and and today, they, they, they don't want to have sex with women. They, they left the natural use of a woman. They burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful. Not natural, but shameful. Homosexuality is not a disease. And it's not natural. Homosexuality is an alternative lifestyle but not a morally legitimate one. People try to play a vocabulary game to help legitimize sin, you know. Fornication becomes living together. We know that. Homosexuality becomes gay. Ruined, a great word. We are all born different. But we are not born to sin. As I said this morning, James Shockley's been quoting a preacher from Oklahoma in that hell was not prepared for us. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. We don't have to go to hell. We choose to. We choose to go to hell. We choose to live a lifestyle that will send us there. According to Webster's, a homosexual is one, male or female, having sexual attraction or desire for persons of the same sex. But the biblical words are even stronger in that they describe not attraction or desire, but the act of a man having sexual intercourse with a man or a woman behaving unnaturally sexually with with another woman. The ten sins back to... 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn back there, the ten sins listed bear these statements uh, out very well. Fornication, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, is any sexual act, oral sex, sexual intercourse, lust in your heart. That's, that's fornication. Whatever combination that you can come up with, man with man, man and woman, woman with women, pornography, Internet, phone sex, that, that's fornication. You name it, fornication is a sexual act by two unmarried people. So let's just let the homosexuals marry. Then it'll be okay. That's the logic. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute when we look at the words of Jesus. But we most certainly can understand fornication. 
Remember, God made sex, but sex is not God. Okay? If you put sex as more important in your life than God, you commit the second of these ten sins. Idolatry. And if you are married and you have sex with a man or a woman besides your husband or wife, you commit adultery. Then Paul lists two words, homosexuals and sodomites. There are three words in the original language that refer to homosexuality. One we've already looked at from Romans chapter 1 verse 27. When we have a phrase, the Greek have a word for it sometimes. Sometimes we'll have a whole phrase and the Greek will have a word. The the word that they have, we translate, burn in their lust for one another. In Greek, that's just one word. We've already read this is vile. This is a sin. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9, homosexuality, again, that's the New King James Version translation in English, is translated from the Greek. The Greek word for it is... Malakos. Malakos. Which means soft. Effeminate. In other first century sources outside the Bible, it was used of a male prostitute. Abusers of themselves as as women is what this means. Those who allow themselves to be misused sexually. Is what this means. The other word translated in the New King James Version is sodomite. The word comes from the city of Sodom in Genesis chapter 19. The Greek, don't laugh, is, I'm going to butcher this because it's, it's, it's a longer Greek word, arsenokoites is the word in Greek. And that means those who have sexual intercourse with other men. That's the basic root meaning of this word. Paul makes it very clear. Those men who allow other men to use them, and those men who use other men, are guilty of sin. They will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. What does Jesus say? On May 10th, Stephen Colbert, who has a comedy news show on on cable, showed an interview with a Baptist preacher from Texas. The Baptist preacher was commenting on President Obama's announcement that he was for same-sex marriage. The quote by the preacher was this, By embracing same-sex marriage, President Obama has really contradicted the Jesus he, he says he follows. And Stephen Colbert, in my opinion, very irreverently, pulls a Bible from underneath his commentator's desk and says, And now I would like to read to you what the Jesus said about homosexuality. And he looks at the Bible and he pauses. He says, I'd like to, but he never said anything about it. And the live audience laughed and cheered and applauded and he went to the next segment. 
But is, is this true? Did our Lord say anything about homosexuality? Granted, Jesus never listed ten sins the way Paul does here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Never listed ten sins and, and included homosexuality and sodomy in them. Jesus never uses one of the three words used by Paul for homosexuality. But does this mean that Jesus is silent on the subject? See, that's just it. We talked about silence this morning being deafening. Jesus' silence on the subject is very loud. What he does say speaks volumes. Let me explain. Jesus doesn't use the word homosexual or sodomite, but what he, he does use the word sodom. In Matthew chapter 11, if you want to keep your finger in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Matthew chapter 11, he rebukes cities where mighty works were done, but they didn't repent. Capernaum is one of those. Capernaum, as we looked at last week in biblical geography, uh, was on the northwest corner of uh, the Sea of Galilee. It may have been Jesus' base of operation for, for many of his travels. And Jesus told them, If the mighty works, verse 23 of Matthew chapter 11, If the mighty works which were done in you were done in Sodom, Sodom would have remained until this day. It will be more, more tolerable for Sodom than you. And what does Jesus mean here? In his rebuke of Capernaum, what, what does he mean? God, in Genesis chapter 18, was going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham was told this by the Lord. Abraham's nephew, Lot, he lived in, in Sodom. And Abraham asked the Lord, if, if the city had ten righteous people, will you save the city? And the Lord said he would. God said he would in Genesis chapter 18, verse 32. So we come to Genesis chapter 19. And there are two angels that come to Sodom. And Lot begged them to come to his house to stay. He didn't want them to stay in the, in the, in the city square. Because he knew what that city was like. The men of the city, Genesis chapter 19 verse 4, both old and young, the men of the city wanted Lot to send out the angels to them so that they could know them sexually. They wanted to use them. They wanted to abuse them. Ten righteous people could not be found in Sodom or Gomorrah and they were destroyed and there is no trace of them today. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 makes reference to their depravity but that Capernaum was worse. He's saying it's going to be better for Sodom than it is for you. But note, the sodomy in Sodom was used as an example of depravity. But the silence of Jesus is what's most telling. Turn over your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. By saying what is right, okay? By saying what is right, Jesus, without saying a word, condemns what is wrong. All right? In Matthew chapter 19, the Pharisees asked Jesus about divorce. 
And neither the Pharisees nor Jesus say anything about a man divorcing a man or a woman divorcing a woman. The context is husband and wife. And Jesus quotes the same passage that I read earlier in Genesis about how a man will leave his father and mother. A man and a woman, a husband and wife is what Jesus is talking about. And they're going to be joined to his wife. That's a man and a woman. And the two shall become one flesh. That's natural. That's, that's right. That's good. And, and, and homosexuality or, or lesbian or, or life partners are never mentioned. By saying what is right and good, that excludes all the other bad things, you see. You think about it. You think back when, when Noah was building the ark. He had to build it out of gopher wood. Well, that excluded all the other kinds of wood. Naaman, the the, the general with leprosy, he was told to go wash in, in the Jordan River seven times. He would not have been healed if he'd gone to any other river. He would not have been healed if he had stopped at Thor. He was told what to do and that excluded all the other rivers. We're supposed to sing and make melody in our heart. That that excludes everything else, you see. What can we do? What can we do? Life is so confusing, especially today it seems. It's, It's just this maze. That's the way the devil wants it. As Christians, how should we react though? More than one... More than one commented on the sign out front, which, you know, I've got AM seven seals. I'm here laughing already. AM seven seals, and then PM I've got homosexuality, and then I've got all are welcome down at the bottom. I do. I welcome all the homosexuals too. They're sinners. They need to be here. We should welcome them with open arms. We should not be a a people that makes fun of someone else. We should be ready to tell somebody the truth at any moment. This is where sinners need to be. This is where sinners are. Amen? And that's the first thing we've got to remember. That's the first thing we've got to realize. If you want to know what you can do, you've got to realize, you've got to remember that you've got to humble yourself. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul lists, as we've said, ten sins that if practiced and never repented of, they will keep you out of heaven. Fornication, that's, that's sex acts outside of marriage. Idolatry, that's putting, that, that idolatry, that's putting anything or... Or anyone before God. Adultery. uh, It's married people having sex with someone besides their spouse. Homosexuality. uh, This covers men with men. Covers women with women. Sodomy. uh, That that includes men using other men in a sexual way. Then we see some others. Thieves. Those who steal. The covetous. Those who... Want everything and want everything that you've got and everybody else has. The drunkards, the alcoholics that can't stop, better, they won't stop drinking. Revilers, 
those who are abusive, extortioners, those who hang something over somebody's head knowing that uh, they can get what they want through blackmail and, and extortion. None of these, none of these, it says, will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Some think homosexuality is the worst sin in the world. They don't see how homosexuality could be a temptation. There's many of you out there. There's no way you could see homosexuality being a temptation for you in your life. Sex between a man and woman is much more preferable, we think. But folks, let me tell you something. Fornication. Living with your girlfriend. Shacking up with your boyfriend is just as bad as homosexuality. It's just as bad. Casual sex, where you meet somebody at a bar, it's just as bad. In God's eyes, sin is sin. Two women having sex is just as bad as stealing or shoplifting. Drinking till you pass out is just as bad as legitimizing sodomy and an alternative lifestyle. Paul writes, look here, and such were some of you. Chad says, such are some of you. Humble yourselves and repent. Have you been washed? Have you been baptized? No? Then you were not sanctified. Are you reading with me? You were not justified. But if you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been freed from guilt. You've been justified. You've been made innocent. You've been made righteous. You've been made right with God. What else can we do to help this seeming epidemic of homosexuality? I say seeming epidemic of homosexuality because Dr. Steve Cantrell, he reported in 2005 uh, of a WorldNet Daily report from the Centers for Disease Control, uh, only 2.3% of the American adult population consider themselves homosexuals. Now, that, that, this, is, this is funny because a much-touted Hollywood Study that came out that same year said that 10% of the American population were homosexuals. But it was finally admitted by the Hollywood study that 10% was fictitious. It was concocted in an effort to mainstream the behavior. When man shoves any agenda down your throat that doesn't agree with God's word, remember, we are justified. We are sanctified. It says, in the name of Jesus, by the Spirit of our God. Remember this now. God alone has the right to make the rules. Because you believe what God says does not make you a bigot, 
nor a homophobe. You do not have to walk out of here with a label slapped on you. But we must have compassion. We cannot compromise the truth. And we cannot condone obvious sin. But we cannot fail to welcome those who are truly repentant of any sin. Homosexuality, sodomy, thievery, adultery, fornication, drunkenness, covetousness, anything. Gossip, there are more sins. We've got to include them. We've got to welcome them into our loving family. We've got to be be ready to, to open our arms. And not just bash people. We need to remind people that God does care about our struggle with, with any sin. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says that God is faithful. If, if you're tempted with sin, God is faithful and will provide a way of escape from sin. But we live in this maze and we've got to be looking for the exit.